Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like you know, counsel on or biblical perspective on, or if you just like prayer, we would love to pray for you. and We'd love to hopefully answer some of those questions you have. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That text line again, 720-336-0897. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you, and we hope that you'll give us a call. We want to welcome everyone who is listening in Colorado and in southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us today. We also want to welcome those on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky, wherever you're tuning in from today. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're with us. And it's so great to see how God is you know, growing the Calvary Live listener base and uh, the areas where the show is now being broadcast. But you know what? It's also on the Internet. So we want to give a big hello to everyone. And we know that more and more people listening online via the website and the mobile app. And so those of you listening on gracefm.com, those of you listening on the Grace FM app, Welcome to the program as well. I want to encourage you, if you don't have that app yet, do get it for your phone or your tablet. And that way, when you're on the go, no matter where you are in the country or even in the world, you'll be able to tune in and hear solid Bible teaching throughout the day, good worship music. And uh, you'll also be able to hear some live church services as well as this program, which is here to um, be a resource to you, kind of a way to get your questions answered, maybe things you've been curious about or wondering about as you've been studying the Bible, or things going on in your life that are pressing needs, things that you need prayer for. That's what we're here to do. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us 720 0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. Looks like we have a lot of listeners today tuning in online um, all over the United States and as well as some international listeners. We've got some listeners up in Canada. We've got some in South Africa as well as in Ukraine and pretty much all different parts of the United States from the East Coast to the Midwest to the South course lots of listeners here in the Rocky Mountain region as well as the northwest and the uh, southern California area so hey we're so glad that you're tuning in and that God is using the technology to get you know good solid Bible teaching and prayer requests and all these things out over the airwaves hey just a reminder to our listeners on Truth FM and on Hope FM 
that you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we just want you to keep that in mind. Uh, we don't want that to stop you from calling in uh, because definitely, you know, your prayer requests and you guys are definitely a part of this community. But just keep in mind that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. So um, that also gives you guys a unique opportunity where you can tune in, tell friends as well to tune in the following week and uh, listen to you as the show goes live in your area. But just keep that in mind. Those of you here on Grace FM in Colorado and Southern Wyoming, as well as those of you online, you're hearing the show live. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And... Whitefields is a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church. We're a church that loves to study the Word of God. We love uh, worshiping God and seeking Him. We love teaching kids and youth about God and His Word. And so if you are in the Longmont area or if you're anywhere within driving distance, we would love to have you join us and be part of what God is doing here at Whitefields. You know, the thing we always say is, hey, come grow with us because our church is it's definitely, you know, we're seeing a work of God being done in and through our church, and we'd love it if you would be a part of that. And hey, if you're not in our driving area, we'd love it if you'd send friends and family members this way. You know, anybody you know who's looking for a church that is dedicated to teaching the Bible and seeking God, um, then send them our way, and we would love to have them worship with us. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. And we recently moved, actually really recently, we moved this past Monday into a new facility. So this is something we've been working on for years, actually, is uh, getting ourselves into our own dedicated full-time facility. And God brought a great opportunity our way just um, recently. I think it was at the end of January is when we found out about it. And it was a church facility that was already built out and furnished to be a church. There was another church in it previously, and they had to leave the facility. But we were able to get in and take over that place, and we just got in this past Monday. Um, and so we are in the process of you know, setting it up and getting it ready for our services. Our open date was scheduled to be March 29th in the new building. But right now, everything is on hold, and... Um, you know, we don't know what we're going to be able to do in there as far as our Easter service. We're not sure when we're going to be able to have our grand opening in this new facility. Um, but that's the, kind of the boat that we're all in as churches right now is that churches are not able to meet physically because of the advice and, and orders not to have any gatherings over 10 people. And so we are going to be using our new facility to broadcast our services online. But um, as far as when, I, when we're able to have our actual grand opening and, you know, be able to use all the spaces that we're excited about using for our Bible Learning Center and for our children's ministry areas, um, we're excited about those. It's got a big youth area as well. And so if, um, if and when we are able to move in there, we are, we are really looking forward to it. We'd love it if you'd pray for that for us and for your churches, you know around the country people you know pastors are really dealing with right now trying to figure out this new reality how do they minister to their congregations when they're not able to gather physically how do we do things like 
baptisms and communion and weddings and things like that that are so important to the life of the body of Christ. Uh, how do we do those during this unique time? You know, a lot of us are facing difficulties right now. I was talking to a friend who has a mom who lives in a different part of the country, and his mom is um, she's terminally ill, and he's not able to visit her. Um, just hearing stories from people in our own church community here about people who have lost their jobs, some people who work in restaurants and salons and things like that. Um, you might have heard that salons, tattoo parlors, spas have been closed until the end of April. And um, as well as, you know, they're, they're saying that they're suspending elective surgeries, meaning like non, you know, life-threatening surgeries uh, until April 14th. And so lots of people being affected by this, you know, businesses having to close because, um, you know, maybe if they were right on the edge already and and having the overhead but yet not having the income is causing a lot of things to close. And so lots of people being affected by what's going on right now. And we'd love to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request related to that or, or actually related to anything, do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you. But let's uh, let's take a break right now and just pray for all these things I mentioned as well as those who are being affected by the virus itself. So Heavenly Father, we just as a as believers, as your people, we cry out to you right now on behalf of those who are being affected by this virus in so many different ways. So we pray for those who are actually infected, Lord, that you would heal them, that they would recover from this, that you'd protect and save their lives. So we pray for those who are being affected in their workplaces, Lord, businesses that have shut down, people whose jobs are temporarily on hold, or uh, people who are not able to go to work and able to do their work. And so, Lord, we pray for these people, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would provide for them, Lord, that you would meet their needs. We pray that churches, Lord, you give wisdom to us in our church communities as how to respond and how to take care of each other during this time. Lord, we do believe that you have equipped us uniquely with the faith, the hope, and the love to be able to respond rightly and appropriately and with courage and love in these times. And so, Lord, help us that we would not be controlled by fear, no matter what situations we're facing. But, Lord, we pray that you would help us to walk by faith and obedience and live in love as your hands and feet, even during this time. And, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to see what are the unique opportunities that this unique situation and challenge presents to us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for your prayer requests. And we would love to uh, answer your Bible questions. Um, I was telling you a little bit about my church. I'll just tell you some other things that are going on with us recently as we wait for those calls to roll in. Um, our our church, you know, as I said, we we're, we moved. We're excited about that. This uh, coming Sunday, like many churches, we're going to be doing church online. And so, um, you know, we're going to be continuing on. We, were, we had a series planned that was supposed to start this weekend, and we're going to continue with it. It's going to continue. Um, and the series is called By Faith. And in this series... Uh, we're going to be looking, we're going to be going back, you know, 
faith is an interesting thing because it's a word that's kind of thrown around a lot these days and it can kind of you know it can kind of lose some of its meaning when you use a word in a lot of different ways in a lot of different contexts right and so you know you see the word faith used on like um those wooden things that you hang in your house from hobby lobby like faith family friends type thing or or i was watching the news the other day and they were talking about calling the governor of louisiana a man of faith and things like that and it's it's sometimes you know these words can when they speak of abstract concepts, it can be really hard to wrap your mind around, okay, well, wait a second, what is faith? Is faith just kind of like a nebulous word for believing in God? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it is the conviction of things unseen. It also tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God, because if anyone comes to God, they must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah, and so, you know, other ways the word faith is used, we talk about faith-based initiatives, etc. But when it comes to these words that can become, can kind of lose some of their meaning because of the ways that they're used, um, it really helps us in the Bible that the Bible doesn't only give us definitions like it does there in Hebrews 11 verse 1, but also gives us stories which help us see what it looks like. What does faith look like with boots on, right? What does it look like um, where the rubber meets the road? What does it look like lived out in somebody's life? And so what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is going back to the book of Numbers, chapter 13, which is really a story of the choice between faith and fear. You might remember that's the place where God called the people of Israel. They had been camped out at Mount Sinai where he gave them his law, where they entered into a covenant with him. And they said, you know, you'll be our God and we'll be your people. You'll be faithful to us and provide for us and show us mercy and grace and we will obey you in everything you say. And then so God says, okay, so now that we've, you know, agreed that you're going to follow me in everything I say, okay, well now uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to enter into the promised land and there are going to be battles in the promised land, but I'm going to give you victory over all the battles. And we know, if you know the story, you know what happened is that out of the 12 spies who were sent, 10 came back with a report that said, yes, it's a good land, but there's no way we can do it. Not even God can help us. Whereas two, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, it's very difficult what stands in front of us, but we can do it because God has promised us that he'll give us the victory. And, of course, democracy won the day in that case. And democracy determined that uh, simple majority won, 10 beat 2, and they did not go into the land. And here's, here's one of the things that I find so interesting about it is that either way they would have had battles, and either way they did have battles, right? And so it's like if they would have gone into the promised land, they would have had battles, but God would have been with them, guaranteed them the victory, and those battles would have had meaning and purpose. They would have had significance because they were actually accomplishing something. What happens is they, they try to avoid the battles and difficulties of entering the promised land and obeying God. And instead they say, well, instead of obeying God, we're going to not do what God says because we're afraid of the battles and difficulties. And then what happens? Immediately in the same chapter, at the end of chapter 14, what do they have? a battle and they lose and then guess what else not only do they have a battle against local people that they have to fight against but they actually have a battle against god in a way because god himself uh puts him god himself is so upset with them for breaking their covenant that he made with them that he says 
to Moses, he says, I'm going to cast these people off. And of course, Moses intercedes as a picture of Jesus, you know, for the people and says, no, Lord, for your name's sake, do not cast them off. Be faithful to them. And God says, "Okay, he will. And the whole thing, though, then they end up 38 years wandering in the wilderness. And guess what happens? They have battle after battle after battle. And yet none of those battles are significant they're they're not meaningful they don't accomplish anything they're not gaining ground so to say as they would have if they would have fought the battles in the promised land now they're fighting battles in the wilderness and i think that that for me that that's really speaks to the fact of how sometimes you know i meet people who will say hey i can't believe that god would allow this to happen or they might say hey if god doesn't give me what i'm asking for then i'm not going to walk with him anymore you know, kind of giving God an ultimatum, like, hey, God, if you don't answer this prayer or because you didn't answer this prayer, then I'm through with you. Well, guess what? You're still going to have difficulties and hardships in life, whether you walk with God or whether you don't. The difference is, just like the battles in the promised land, the difference is that as you fight those battles in the promised land, number one, God will be with you. And number two, they will not be meaningless. They will be accomplishing things. They will actually have significance and purpose. And that matters very much. And so I'm looking really forward to getting into this series. And in part two of the series, we'll be looking at one of my favorite verses in Numbers uh, 14. I believe it's verse 6. Nope, it's verse 9. Yep, Numbers 14, verse 9, where Caleb, or uh, sorry, it might be Joshua here. Joshua says, hey, guys, l we need to enter the land and fight the giants. Here's why, because they are bread to us. What is bread? Bread is sustenance. Bread is that which keeps you strong and healthy. And what he's saying is that the battles in the promised land will require us to trust the Lord and taking steps of faith and fighting the battles that God puts in front of us are actually sustenance to us. They are what keeps us strong. You know, faith is a muscle and must be exercised. And Joshua and Caleb realized that. And you see that later on in Joshua, uh, I believe it's chapter 14, where uh, Caleb, you know, gets first dibs on picking which part of the land he wants for his inheritance. And he chooses the land that actually has the battles to fight against the giants. And he says, I, I want that, that land. That's the one where I want to fight. Even though he's 80 years old, he says, I know that God will, God's given me the victory until now and God will continue. And it's that same idea that Caleb's old, but he doesn't want to give up the fight. He, he doesn't want to relax. He doesn't want to take his foot off the gas. Rather, he wants to continue fighting because he knows that they're good for us. So let's go to our first caller, Wani in Byers, Colorado. Hi, did I get your name right? Yes, it's Wani. How are you? Wani. Thank you so much for being available. Um, I have two prayer requests. Okay. One is for an, a friend of mine who he and his wife were so supportive of me when my husband died in June. And we found out two days ago that his cancer is back in his lungs and possibly a lymph node. And he is a tremendous man of faith. His children are saved, his grandchildren. Um, but he's more concerned for his mom and his siblings who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. Mm. And I know that's what's giving him a little bit of anxiety. So prayers for Bud. And then there's a little baby named Finn, F-I-N-N. Um, he has been in Stanford Medical Center since he was born several months ago because he was born with a defective heart. 
and today he got a heart transplant. Mm. But our prayer is not just that the heart would work for Finn, but for the family who lost their child and gave the precious gift of life to Finn. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's pray for those things. That that's that's really amazing. You know, what a, what a picture of the gospel, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, this life giving gift. So yes. let's pray for pray for those prayer requests. Heavenly Father, we pray for one Ian. We pray for her her friend Bud, who's suffering from cancer. Lord, thank you that Bud knows you, that he has a relationship with you, that he has the hope of heaven, that he knows that when this earthly tent of our bodies is put away that he has an eternal dwelling place that awaits him in heaven with you. And Lord, I, uh, I thank you that he looks forward to that day uh, for which all of us groan with eager expectation. And uh, Lord, though, I, I pray for this issue that's heavy on his heart, as I'm sure it is for many of our listeners, Lord, that he has family members who don't know you, family members who have not yet received your grace and embrace the gospel and put their trust in Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that as Bud is getting to this point in his life, Lord, we know that his words are going to have a lot more weight to them in the hearts and minds of his loved ones. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give him so much wisdom with how to use those words in a way that honors you, in a way that glorifies you, in a way that speaks your words prophetically to his family members so, Lord, they might believe and be saved. And so, Lord, we we do pray for salvation for Bud's family members, that he would be able to end this life with the joy of knowing that he's going to see them again and embrace them again. And, Lord, we also want to pray for Finn. Thank you for this heart transplant. Thank you that there was a heart available. But, Lord, we also know that that came at a very high price, and that was the life of another child. And so, uh, Lord, we pray for the family who has lost their child, Lord, that you would comfort them, that you'd be with them, and Lord, that they would take uh, comfort and solace in knowing that their child's life was was even in this way not in vain, that he was able to, or he or she was able to donate their even their heart to Finn so that he can have a life. Lord, we pray that Finn would grow up knowing that, Lord, you have a purpose with his life, that you've kept him here for a reason. Lord, that he would live with that sense of calling, with that sense of purpose throughout his life. Lord, I pray for his parents, and I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to raise Finn in your ways, and that, Lord, his life would honor and glorify you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, and congratulations on your new facility. Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate that. Take care. God All bless. Right, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We have all open lines right now, so it is a perfect time for you to call in and get on the air. We know that a lot of people who listen to this show do so during their drive time. We know that there's a lot less people out driving around. But if you are listening, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Over on the text line, we had someone text, and they asked, what is the new address for Whitefields Church? Yes, sorry for not telling you that earlier. The address is 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, 
Colorado, and I'm typing this to you as well as I am sending it. So it's 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, and the zip code is 80504, which is the zip code for the east side of Longmont. So this address is uh, where this new building is located. It's 24,000 square feet, which is incredible because we went from a space that was actually already pretty big, and we're going to a space that's you know really big. So we went from about seven or 8,000 square feet to uh, 24,000 square feet. And we're really excited for how God is going to use that space and all the ministry that's going to take place in that building in the years to come. And we do definitely appreciate your prayers for that, especially as we're really, you know, kind of chomping at the bit to be able to get into the building and use it. We'd love to be able to do that on Easter, but of course we're going to prioritize um, whatever regulations are out there for gatherings um, as well. So uh, yeah, the address is 2950 Colorful Avenue, and that is just east of County Line Road and Highway 119. So Highway 119, also called the Diagonal Highway. It's also called Ken Pratt Boulevard. And we are directly north of Sandstone Ranch, which is the big sports complex. Um, so I'm sure some of our listeners, you've been out to Sandstone because you have kids who play soccer or football, or you've been to festivals out there. There's a big skate park as well. And we're looking forward to ways that we might be able to reach out in those areas as well. Um, yeah, so we are 2950 Colorful Avenue. That's going to be our new address. And uh, we moved in there on Monday. So looking forward to filming our first sermon using our gear tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll show that online on Sunday. I know so many of our churches have had to go to the online option. One of the things I would encourage you guys in is this, is that there are um, difficulties with um, the present situation and the restrictions on gatherings. But with every um, with every situation that is a difficulty, there's, there's oftentimes hidden opportunities. And so we want to ask God to help us see things with his eyes, with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of, you know, that godly ambition that says, how can we actually leverage this situation in a new and special way for the kingdom of God? It just reminds me of what Paul the Apostle said in uh, his letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 13. I'm always surprised by this verse, and it always kind of gives me goosebumps when I read it, because here's what Paul said. You know, here he is, he's writing from house arrest, which I think that many of us can relate to in our present situation, can't we? Um, he's writing from house arrest. He can't leave this house. You know, he has some degree of freedom. Sometimes people can come visit him. You know, and he's chained to these Roman soldiers 24 hours a day, kind of on an eight-hour rotation. But Paul says this incredible thing in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, where he says, I want you to know, brethren, brethren or brothers, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me has served the furtherance of the gospel. And you're like, at first, you're like, wait a second. How can that be true? Here you are, Paul. You used to be a missionary who traveled the world. You went wherever you wanted. You, you would go from one place to the next, planting churches, preaching the gospel, making disciples, raising up leaders. And now here you are stuck in a house in Rome, uh, you know, chained to a guard, not able to go anywhere or do anything. Well, think about how Paul used that time. He said, okay, I'm in this situation that I wouldn't have chosen for myself, but what are the unique opportunities that this situation gives me? Well, one thing he had was time. So Paul takes that time, he grabs a pen, and he writes out four letters that end up in our New Testament because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. So under the 
guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes four letters that are words from God to us that you know spell out doctrine, they spell out things about how to live a Christian life, how, what is our response to the gospel. And he sends those out to the churches, they get distributed, they end up in the Bible, and now they've been read by billions of people over the course of 2,000 years. So yeah, God used that for the furtherance of the gospel. The other thing that happened with Paul being under house arrest is that uh, he was chained to these Roman guards 24 hours a day. And there's this, there's this way in which Paul, you know, as an evangelist, is saying, this is an evangelist's dream. I'm not the one chained to them. They're chained to me. They can't go anywhere. And guess what we're going to talk about? Same thing we talked about yesterday, Jesus. So I would encourage you, look for those unique opportunities that this situation gives you because they're there. And this might be a time when God has called us to use this opportunity for his glory. Hey, we'll be right back after our break. Two minutes. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or you'd like biblical counsel on we would love to hear from you and love to talk with you hopefully answer your questions and we'd love to pray for you so the number to call is 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897 that's 720-336-0897 we've got lots of text messages coming in today but very few calls so definitely feel free to give us a call we'll get you right on the air Uh, all open lines right now so you can call in the number is 303-690-3000 in the meantime let's get back to the text messages Uh, one person asked in regard to the new church building thank you so much for all these texts regarding the uh, new church building for whitefields church in longmont but Someone asked, what are the cross streets? Are you near the Walmart on Highway 119 or UC Health's new hospital? So yeah, uh, UC Health's new hospital is on County Line Road, which is also County Road 1. So County Line Road and Highway 119. So we are just just a couple blocks east of there, uh, in between County Line Road and a little bit closer towards I-25. And that's part of the reason why we like this location was because we have a lot of people who come in from you know, Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, as well as from Mead, Erie, even Berthoud, and this location is really accessible for them. Anybody coming off I-25, it's really accessible as well. And it's also still in the city of Longmont. And so we are actually just almost uh, east of the Walmart on 119 and County Line Road. So we're just a little bit east of there, and we're east of the new hospital. And the cross streets are, let me just make sure I get this street right, Fairview Street, which is also called Sandstone Drive. So Fairview Street and Ken Pratt Boulevard. So that's Highway 119 and Fairview, just east of the Walmart, directly north of Sandstone Ranch. And it's set up about 100 yards north of uh, Highway 119. But you can see it really clearly from Highway 119. We're planning on getting some big signs out there um, as soon as we can, you know, kind of as soon as businesses get back up and running as well. Um, 
as you know, this present situation has thrown a lot of things into flux. So uh, another question we had, someone says, hey, Pastor Nick, congratulations on the new church building. The Lord is good. Amen. My question for you, is China the 200 million in the book of Revelation? So that uh, verse, just some context for those who are saying, where did that question come from? Here's what it comes from. In Revelation chapter 9, uh, we're reading about the time of the Great Tribulation and all the things leading up to the final events um, in human history and the world's history. And what it says is that um, four angels prepared. So this is Revelation 9.15 says this. The four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. In verse 16, the number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. So if you do the math there, that adds up to 2 million. And he says, I heard their number. There's an interesting discussion about what that means. And especially if you look at it in Greek. And here's, here's how it reads in Greek. You know, in Greek... Um, it reads like this, dismyriadis myriadon, which means two myriads of myriads. So what's interesting about that is that it's a myriad. You know, what exactly is a myriad? What we have in our English translations is people trying to say, okay, a myriad must be 10,000. And so they're saying two times 10,000 times 10,000. But most Bible scholars would agree that this number is not necessarily meant to be read um, literally in the sense of, you know, it's, it's saying a lot of people. So two myriads of myriads. So we're not exactly even sure that a myriad was 10,000. So it, it's essentially a countless number. Now, even if it is a number, it's specifically um, 2 million. I don't know that we can say for sure that this is China. I mean, it very well could be. What's interesting is that with the numbers of population of the earth growing as much as they have over the last you know, let's say 100 years particularly, um, there are multiple nations who would in the near future be able to have a standing army of this kind of size if they wanted to. And so this is interesting because Joel, this, uh, Joel mentions something very similar in his prophecy in Joel chapter 2. Here's what Joel says. He says um, that there will be an army, a people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been seen, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many generations. Which is also interesting because he says, you know, there won't be any after them, even for many generations. Um, so this is described as, uh, in, I'm not seeing where this is, I believe this is also in Joel, where it says, as the morning light spreads itself over the mountains, so a people numerous and strong shall spread themselves. So a lot of people take this, um, because it talks about horses and horsemen, they assume that that is denoting a human army, which is coming from east of the Euphrates, so from Asia. Now, again, armies of this size and sophistication really haven't been feasible until recent times. But now, uh, there are probably multiple countries who could do something like that, including you know, China, uh, Russia, perhaps even um, some other countries as well. Now, uh, I think though a lot of Bible scholars would say, let's um, let's be cautious in just assuming that this could be China. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Some Bible scholars also say that this might not even be referring to a human army, but might might even be referring to some kind of 
a demonic entity. Now, personally, I do think this will be a human army. I think this ties together with some other um, prophecies that come in. I'm not sure where they will be, but I think definitely a lot of people throughout history have speculated that it would be China just because of the sheer numbers of people they have in their military. But it's an interesting discussion. It's a, um, it's a kind of discussion or a speculation nonetheless. So thank you for that question, and uh, we'll see. And I believe that our vantage point from that, my theology would be, you know, premillennial and pre-tribulational rapture. So I would say that I think we'll be watching that from the perspective that John was watching it from in Revelation, which is from heaven watching the events on earth take place. So we will see. Thank you for that text question, and God bless you. Uh, we have another text message that came in saying, I have a praise report. I asked God to close the courthouse on Tuesday to prevent my wife from filing divorce, and they closed it right before they got there, right before we got there. Um, and he asks a question, is there biblical grounds for me standing for my marriage despite her committing adultery? Okay, so a couple things here. Um, you know, I'm glad that as you prayed that the courthouse would close and that your wife was not able to file for divorce. I'm glad to hear that, and I hope that God would use this time for you to be reconciled, for there to be forgiveness and healing that takes place, for there to really be true repentance, which is not just, of course, saying you're sorry, but it's a change of direction, change of action. And so I pray that that happens. Um, furthermore, your question, is there biblical grounds for you staying in your marriage despite your wife committing adultery? Um, yes, there is. Now, remember that if someone commits adultery, this is a permission that Jesus gave. And it's, so it's given in the Old Testament by Moses, but it's also given by Jesus when he talks about marriage and divorce. Um, that, you know, this is a reason he gives for why divorce would be permissible. But it's definitely not a command. It's not a command that if a spouse commits adultery, that divorce must take place, right? So I think even ideally, the way Jesus talks about it is ideally, even though this is allowed, it doesn't have to be done. Um, a person can forgive their spouse and continue to stay together. And many, many couples have done that. Now, I know that would be very difficult for many people to do, and it's in some cases almost unimaginable that that bond of trust being broken. But uh, absolutely, there is biblical grounds for you to stay together um, in spite of that. So, hope that answers your question, and let me pray for your marriage. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for this brother and his wife and the difficulties that they're going through, the things that they've experienced in the past. Lord, just as you liken your wayward people to adulterous spouses. Lord, we thank you that you have had grace towards us. Lord, would you help us to have grace and radical forgiveness towards each other because of what you've done for us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. I also ask that you would just restore this dear couple's relationship. Lord, that they would be able to turn a new leaf and truly that repentance would through repentance, that your grace would give them a new start and that they would be able to walk in that and really walk out the, um, the repentance, the reconciliation that you would love to see take place that brings you so much glory. And so Lord, we pray that that would happen in their relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live.
this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to another question that came in. Uh, this one was emailed to me. Okay, so here's... Um, two questions that came in. Let's start with the first one. The first question that came in was this. Um, you know, the Bible says that Jesus said that he will give us anything we ask in his name. And yet, um, how do we explain that when we don't get things that we ask for in his name? And so that's a really good question. You know, this, this idea that, okay, Jesus said anything we ask. And so if we ask for something and we don't get it, does that mean that we asked wrong? Or does it mean that God somehow didn't hold up his end of the bargain? I mean, how does this work? Um, and really, asking for anything is really broad. I mean, is that, is that uh, a right way to think about this? You know, how should we understand this verse? So here's an answer. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Paul poses a rhetorical question where he says, He, this God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So he's saying, will not God give us all things? Now, now, I w there are many things that I would like, right? Like um, there, there are people right now who have uh, prayed that they wouldn't lose their jobs, and maybe they did. Or people who are praying for loved ones that they would uh, recover, and maybe they don't. And so how do we understand that? especially in, in light of what Jesus says in the Gospels, like in John 14, verses 13 through 14, he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what does that mean? You know, if I ask for a dinosaur, does that mean God's going to give me a dinosaur? What if I ask for Abraham Lincoln to be raised from the dead? Does that mean that he's going to be raised from the dead? I mean, uh, you might say, now those are ridiculous requests, Nick, but seriously, don't they fall under the umbrella of all things or anything? You know, what about times when we pray for things, we don't get them? Um, is it because we prayed wrong? We didn't pray in Jesus' name? Or did, does God somehow not keep his promises? Um, it's interesting because in the Bible, we also see that there were people who prayed and their prayers were not answered, or at least they weren't answered in the way that they asked that they would be answered, right? So, for example, Joseph... In Genesis, he is thrown into a pit and he's beaten up. Then he's sold into slavery. And then all these bad things happen to him. And uh, we're actually told in Genesis 42 that while Joseph was in this pit um, and his brothers were selling him to the slave traders, Joseph was crying out and begging for mercy. He was begging that this would not happen. And yet it did. For another example, Paul, the apostle, talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, how he prayed earnestly three times that God would remove his thorn in the flesh, but God refused to remove it because he wanted to use that pain in Paul's life to shape him. So it would seem that God reserves the right to say no to some of our requests. And there's an interesting biblical text that, that gives us a little bit of insight, and that is James chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And in James 5, 2 and 3, it says this, You do not have because you do not ask. But then he says this interesting thing. You do ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So two interesting things are brought to our attention here. 
Number one, we're told that sometimes we don't have because we fail to ask. And other times, I'm sorry, that's James 4, verses 2 and 3. So sometimes we don't have because we fail to ask. In other words, if we pray, we will receive. But the second thing we're told there is that sometimes we do pray and God doesn't give us what we ask for, not because we failed to pray in Jesus' name, but because we asked for things with wrong motives and therefore, or maybe we asked for the wrong things with the wrong motives and therefore God chooses not to give it. And so then why does God say that he will give us anything we ask for and that he will give us all things? Why use that language? Well, it's interesting because in Psalm 84, verse 11, it says this, that the Lord is a sun and a shield and the Lord bestows favor and honor. Now check this out. No good thing does he withhold from those who up, walk uprightly. No good thing. Now that what qualifies as a good thing? Well, I guess that's up to God's determination for, you know, in his perfect knowledge and his perfect love, what he knows is best for you, right? Uh, I've heard it put this way, that God gives you exactly what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. Now just think about that because that's really profound that God loves you and he will give you exactly what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. In other words, God will not withhold any good thing from the righteous and he is the one who knows truly what is good for you or what's good for you right now in light of everything that he takes into account. And I heard one person put it this way. They said, what we have in God is a father, not a genie. And that is immeasurably greater, right? So many times, I mean, if you think about uh, if you have a small child and you gave a small child, you know, access to a genie who would give them anything they want. Well, who knows what they would ask for? They might ask for something that would be dangerous. They might ask for something that wasn't truly good or good for them because of their limited amount of wisdom and knowledge. And what the Bible is saying is let's be realistic and understand who we are, that we don't have all wisdom and knowledge, that God is omniscient. He has all wisdom and knowledge. And so we ask him as a father and he says, I will not withhold from you anything that is good. But me and my knowledge, God would say, I know what is truly good for you in the big picture. And so that's really comforting for us that we can ask. And I would say we should be encouraged to ask for great, big, huge things. You know, it says that God is able, like in Ephesians 3, he says, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine. And that's awesome because I can imagine some pretty crazy things. And God's able to do even beyond even my wildest imagination. And yet, he is not a genie, but he's a father. And he's loving and he's going to not withhold from us anything that is good. And so I, th I find that such a, a comforting and good answer. So we've got uh, some more text messages that have come in. Let's go ahead and give you those call lines. We've got time for at least one or two calls before the end of the show. So give us a call. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. The number to call is 303 six nine zero three thousand that's three oh three six nine zero three thousand or you can text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven let's go ahead and pray for this next prayer request that came in via the text message it says this i want to request prayer for my son he is suffering from withdrawal from alcohol 
he's a good man. He has always been. He made a mistake, and now he's having trouble correcting the mistake. He's trying hard. I pray that you would ask that the Lord could give him the strength and everything he needs and the people he needs to get back on track um, in spite of what he has been doing for the last few years. Absolutely. I'm sure that there are other people, too, tuning in who, who have loved ones who are struggling with addiction and just seeing that destroy their lives. And so let's pray for your son and for others who are struggling with addiction. Heavenly Father, I pray for this dear uh, brother or sister's son who is struggling from addiction. It must be so hard as a parent to see your child going through this and going, you know, having this addiction really be something that is hurting them rather than building up their life. And so, Lord, we ask for your mercy in this situation. We ask for your intervention. Lord, we pray that you would give this person the strength. Lord, we also pray that you would give them the desire, the desire for something greater, the desire to get out of it, and Lord, the strength to be able to make those right steps. Lord, I pray that you would set this person free from bondage to alcohol. And I also pray, Lord, you set them free from bondage to corruption in every other way through Jesus. Lord, that they would know you. Lord, that they would have your spirit within them to set them free from, from every sin that would hold them in bondage. And Lord, I pray that you would help this person to find not only um, freedom in this life, but freedom, true, uh, everlasting freedom that is all-encompassing in every area of their heart, mind, soul. And Lord, I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and thanks for that text question. And uh, someone is texting now asking for prayer for the sale of their home in Berthoud. They're having a difficult time selling it right now. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for this dear person. We ask that you would help them to sell their home in Berthoud. We know that these are difficult times and unexpected um, times right now that we're living in with the changes in in restrictions of gatherings and movements. So, Lord, we pray that you would provide for this person, that you provide them with the right buyer at the right time. Lord, thank you that you are never late, um, but sometimes you uh, do things in a different timing than we would have thought or asked for. So I pray, Lord, give, us, uh, give this person patience as they wait upon your timing and provide them with the right buyer in the right time. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to another question that was emailed in. This person says this, um, what is the sin unto death that's talked about in 1 John? And not just what is the sin unto death, but why does it say that we should not pray for a person who has done this? So let's let's go over there to 1 John chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, and take a look at this text. I know this is one of those verses that a lot of people are, are curious about um, because you know it can seem a little bit odd, especially if you don't consider it in the whole context. So here's Here's what it is. It's a passage that a lot of people have a difficult time understanding. Um, and so here's how the passage reads. Uh, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he should ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, 
There is a sin that does lead to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Okay, so the question this listener asked was, if there's a sin leading to death, why does John say there in verse, uh, was that verse 17? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the end of verse 16. Why does he say that we should not pray for such a one? Um, the big question is this. Is the death that John's speaking about, is it physical death or is it spiritual death? Because that totally changes, you know, depending on whether he's talking about physical death or spiritual death, totally changes how we approach the answer to this question, how we understand this text. So let's consider the first interpretation. Some would say that John is speaking about physical death. So in other words, he's saying, hey, look, not all sins lead to physical death. If you see someone doing something that will hurt them physically, then you should pray for them. But if someone sins, and as a result of their sins, they died, then there's no need to continue praying for a person after they are physically deceased. Um, I personally find this interpretation to be a little bit lacking because I don't think it takes into account the big context of what John has been talking about throughout the letter of 1 John. So where I lean is that I say that John's not referring to physical death or sins that lead to physical death. Rather, he's talking about sins that lead to spiritual death, but still does leave the question, why shouldn't we pray for such a person? But let me, let me explain that. Um, this is, again, the interpretation I find more convincing because it really follows the thought that John's been having throughout 1 John. You know, if you read the letter, he talks a lot about, like, kind of in black and white terms, right? Like he says, hey, if you're walking with the Lord, then someone who is in the light no longer sins. If you're still continuing to practice sin, then you're not in the light and the love of God is not in you, etc. Now, what he's talking about here is this. Um, you know, John has a strong emphasis that those who are truly born of God don't go on sinning. Well, on the other hand, John warns against this kind of misunderstanding as what we might call perfectionism, right? That once you're a Christian, then you don't sin anymore. So on the one hand, he's saying you don't practice sin. Now, the way I describe this is kind of like how some people practice their golf swing or they practice, you know, a speech in other words, you wake up in the morning, you try to do it better today than you did it yesterday. That's the idea of practicing sin. It's a kind of a habit of, or a pattern of your life. And so he says, look, if you're a Christian, then that won't be true of you. And if it is true of you, if you're still living in this way of habitual practicing sin, it's your pattern of life, then you need to really question whether or not you truly are born again. But he's saying, hey, look, if you're born again, you're not going to continue practicing sin. But he wants us to understand that, hey, that doesn't mean that Christians don't ever sin. And he's saying, look, even when Christians sin after having been saved, that doesn't necessarily lead to damnation. So in other words, Christians do sin, and not all sins lead to damnation. It is possible for someone who's been born again to still sin after they've been born again. And then he says, uh, when he says, don't pray for such a one, he's not saying, don't pray for those people, not as if, as if they don't need prayer or if they're long gone. What he's saying is, um, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm telling you to pray for sinners that God would give them life. He says, I'm not talking about um, praying for people who are already saved, who sin after they're saved. He says, rather, I'm talking about people who are not yet saved and they're in sin. Pray for them that God would save them. So that's a 
tough verse and it's an explanation that I've had to look into a lot. And so appreciate the opportunity to be able to share that. Hopefully that answers some questions for some of our listeners. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or you can text in your questions. We're coming up here on the end of the show, but I wanted to touch on one quick question that I think we can get to um, for the rest of our show. We had one person text in and ask this, could you give me some advice on ways to preach the gospel for introverts? Well, I think this is a very timely question because at, at the present time, we're all kind of being forced to act like introverts, aren't we? Even if we're not. Um, so here are some ways to preach the gospel. Uh, if you are an introvert or maybe let's say for us who are quarantined or restricted in our movement, one good way is to write letters, emails. Um, someone once, once wrote a letter to me when I was, you know, as part of my journey, and you know, it didn't just happen in an instant that I gave my heart to the Lord, but there was kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a prolonged period of me, you know, wrestling with the Lord. And someone wrote me a letter during that time, and that letter played a huge part in me giving my life wholly over to the Lord. So I would advise you write letters, uh, especially handwritten letters, are, are extra meaningful. You know, they have an open rate that's much higher than emails. Um, you know, and also here's other ways. Get involved in different ministries at your church, you know. Uh, you leverage social media, leverage your phone, leverage the digital media that is at your disposal. And I'll just finish our show today by giving you uh, some invites to our church online. You can go and find more information about how to watch our service. It's going to be broadcast on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And you can go to whitefieldschurch.com to get the links, but you can also just go directly to our Facebook page. So Whitefields Community Church on Facebook or on YouTube, Whitefields Community Church. And we're going to be broadcasting our service on both of those channels on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So if you're looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you join us online for that. God bless you and may God use us in this unique time that we're in. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.